put one foot in front of the other. Find the thing that makes you interested now. What's going to drive your passion now? And go forward with it and fail fast. Welcome to From the Dorm Room to the Boardroom, a podcast where we provide insights, tips, and inspiration for college students and young professionals so they can make a really successful transition from college life to the professional world and beyond. My name is Andy Malinsky, and I'm your host. I'm also a professor of organizational behavior and international management at Brandeis University's International Business School, where we record and produce this podcast. So our guest today is Priya Sapra, uh, who is the COO and the CPO of Shift Analytics. Uh, which is an industry-leading cloud-based data analytics and insights organization in the life sciences. Um, normally, I give a fuller intro, but I actually think it would be cool for Priya today to give us a bit more uh, of that about that intro and sort of add to it. So, Priya. Oh, thanks, Andy. I guess I would describe myself as a serial entrepreneur. I've had the privilege of serving on five high-growth organizations since I graduated college. Um, by training, I'm a bench scientist and uh, a makeshift statistician. And through it all, I am a working mom. So uh, I guess those are the things that that uh, I would serve as introductory notes to describe yeah. myself. Excellent. So tell us about what you do now. Tell us about about your, about your company, about your role, and then we'll go backwards and we'll hear about you know how you how you got there. But you know what are you up to now? Yeah, absolutely. So shift is. Uh, an organization based in Waltham. Uh, our goal is to leverage data and analytics for pharmaceutical organizations, whether that's big pharma, emerging and mid-cap organizations, to take data across the clinical and commercial continuum uh, within the life sciences space, aggregate it, integrate it, and really bring life to it. How do we bring a call to action from all of this data that we're getting in this emerging world that we're in and how do we make sense of it and allow people to take action on it? So Shift is a product organization that um, allows, again, all that data to be brought together to be more meaningful than it is in isolation and really drive strategic and tactical action within the life sciences space. So what's uh, an ex- what's I- a, can, you, can you just give us a quick example of what that, you know, it doesn't have to be an actual client, but a hypothetical What's example that? of what that might look like? Sure. We can look at insurance claims data and electronic medical record data, which is, again, quickly emerging here, and help pharmaceutical organizations understand how patients move through the healthcare system. What are they getting as first-line therapy, second-line therapy, third-line therapy? How long is it taking from when they switch from drug one to drug two? How are they performing on those drugs? How adherent and compliant are they to those drugs? and really help them understand how we can optimize that patient journey to get them on the right therapy at the right time and get them closer to recovery as quickly as possible. Does that help? Yeah, no, that helps. And and just one more uh, point of reference for people who don't know, what is a COO and what's a CPO? (laughs) And how can you do Um, both of them at the same time? (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're fancy titles uh, that uh, I'll break down. Uh, they, They... phonetically stand for uh, Chief Operations Officer and Chief Product Officer, which means that I have the pleasure of serving as uh, the person who defines 
the product vision and execution of our product portfolio, basically saying, what are we going to do and how are we going to do it and when are we going to do it? And the COO title means that I oversee the team that takes those products and actually puts them into the hands of our clients. How do we take what is a theoretical, again, technology product, but align it to the needs of an organization? So I handle, again, the product and engineering organization, the people that build stuff and design stuff, and then the customer success organizations, the people that deliver and maintain stuff to clients. Does that help? Yeah, cool. So, so let's rewind. Uh, where did you go to college? Let's let's sort of get. Let's sort of hear your story. How you got from sort of college to where you are now? Truly, from the dorm room to the boardroom. Uh, yeah. So, 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 so where did you go to college? What did you major in? What was it like, sort of senior year as you were kind of leaving? And what was your first experience after college? Uh, great question. So, I went to MIT. And when I entered uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, I was very sure that I'd wanted to be a physician. And so I was pre-med and a bio major. But shortly thereafter, I realized that there were a lot of really interesting other things that I could learn about that I never that I never had thought of before. So uh, I decided not to pursue medicine. And I did a bit of chemistry. I did some chemical engineering. I did a bit of literature. Because what I found was that as focused as I was and knowing exactly what I wanted when I entered college, the university experience gave me the ability to introduce myself to things that I had not been aware of. So I had a very clear and focused path when I entered. And I would say I wandered a bit in college. And I am actually very grateful for that. Because at the end of the day, I ended up being a biology and literature double major with a chemistry minor. Um, but that really is only a testament to the fact that I wanted to explore a lot of things, and which is something that I would encourage any of your listeners to do. Um, you know, I think that focus is a fabulous thing when you have it, but make sure that the focus doesn't allow you not to you know, um, go beyond you know the path in front of you. So, coming to senior year, uh, I was very unsure, Andy, as to what I would be doing. I knew I wanted to stay within the life science space. My father's a physician, and I told you, of course, my, my natural inclination towards that. But I wasn't sure what I'd be doing. I had the privilege of being recruited by a small startup uh, in the Boston area uh, to do forecasting within life sciences. And that, that got me the entrepreneurial bug. Uh, I loved being part of small organizations where I could do a lot of things. Uh, I can be impatient and I can be easily bored. So the startup environment gave me this ability to put on a lot of hats and gave me the ability to make an impact at a very young age that I would not have been able to do in a larger organization. So my meandering journey um, led me to uh, an organization that allowed me to use a lot of my different skill sets that I had learned, not just, of course, directly associated with my majors to make an impact for, for a small organization. I, I can't help but ask, uh, you mentioned your father was a doctor and you were going to be a doctor, but decided not yeah. to be a doctor. Was that a popular decision at the household? <laughs> uh, no, it's a fair question. It wasn't, uh, frankly. Um, you know, Coming from a traditional Indian household, uh, and I'm sure this is true of many other cultures, um, you know, there's certain expectations uh, of, of, of what you would do. And, and um, my father always saw me as, as being the right so that being the right thing for me. Uh, but I think my temperament wasn't appropriate. And I think we finally got there is that being a highly empathetic individual 
when I spent some time in the hospital world, early years of college, it, it occurred to me that though I want to help sick people, um, watching them on a day-to-day basis was very emotionally draining. And so I needed to be honest with myself as to where I could be successful. And that impact had to be a little bit more at arm's length than I had initially thought. Interesting. Um, so you, before we even got on, on this call, you were telling me about how you have been in a series of different organizations. So bring us from yeah. your, initial ex- your initial experience right after college to, to where you are now. Just sort of give us the, the overview of your journey. Sure. So after the first startup, um, you, know, you, you get really uh, emotionally involved in your first job, I would say. I think that's an important thing to keep in mind because it really sets your barometer for everything you do after that. Unfortunately, the startup that I was part of was disbanded as part of the dot-com bubble. And I was, I, I was I, I, I agonized over it. I actually offered to work for free because I was so committed to not just the vision, but to the people I was working with. They were an extension of my family. And that's always been true of any organization I've been a part of. So I, I joined another small organization called Target RX that was based in Philadelphia and was my first time actually leaving home because I was born and raised in Boston. Um, while I stayed in the dorm throughout, um, throughout university, it was, um, it was the first time I'd actually been gone, going away from my parents. So that was a big deal for me and a, a really turning point in the organization. While I was pursuing my first, my first role, I guess I should be clear on saying, I did pursue my master's degree uh, in public health uh, just because of an area of interest for me. And I went to school full-time while working full-time, which was an interesting challenge. But um, that wait 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 we have to, we have to pause there. <laughs> yeah, I, I get I get a uh, I have to hear a bit about that. You, how did you go to? It sounds like it's very interesting. So you're now a CPO and a COO. You went to call. You went. You got a master's degree full time while you were working full time. <laughs> how do you how do you how do you do this? You're in the life sciences. Did you figure out how to clone yourself or? No, that's very sweet of you to say. No, I think it's just about passion and focus, right? I think I, um, I like to do a lot of different things. I think it, it helps, I know, helps entertain different parts of my brain. And I think going to school is something that I have adored. And um, while I was starting working in the first organization, I saw this unmet need uh, of, of statisticians. And instead of hiring one, I asked my CEO whether or not I would be all right if I went and um, did this myself. And he's like, well, how are you going to accomplish this? I'm like, I promise I will work full-time hours uh, as long as you let me pursue this full-time as well. And I don't know, a, a bit of luck goes a long way and a bit of hard work also pays off. So it was, um, it was a fabulous time of doing both. Uh, not great socially, so keep that in mind if you decide to take that choice. But it was, um, it was a wonderful way of me learning real-time and then applying what I learned to what I was doing on a day-to-day basis. So it the the marriage of the two of them, I think, really expedited my career in the sense that I was coming smarter every day and then continuing to learn new things and applying them every day. So, yeah, I mean, it it, it, it is a difficult thing, but not a Herculean piece. So, hmm, got it. Interesting. So, so sorry, I interrupted. So, so go back to where you were. What you were talking. You went to Philadelphia, and and let's take it from there. Yep. So I went to Philadelphia. Uh, joined the new product. Uh, development group there and did a bit of marketing work there as well. Again, highlighting me to do multiple things at the same time, but being able to make an impact in a small organization. Spent about two years with them. 
wonderful organization, great leadership, but I wasn't quite sure what the direction was of the company and I was getting a little bit homesick and also realized I wanted to go back to get my MBA because, you know, many times individuals who have a scientific and mathematical background sort of get pegged as doers. And I really knew that I wanted to take my mathematical and scientific mindset, but apply it to business and organizations and how you create success. So that's when I came back to the Boston area and then worked on my MBA part-time while um, working for an organization called MedPanel based in Cambridge. The focus on MBA was entrepreneurship, not surprisingly, right? Uh, To understand how do you lead young organizations and allow them to scale and what are the mistakes that are inevitable and and how do you create fail-safe around them. Uh, At MedPanel, I was hired to to create their first product. They were a consulting organization. And so they hired me to, to, again, build a product. But you realize when you're building a product is that it's not just about having a product. It's about having the services um, and the commercial model to actually make that product successful. And unfortunately, in MedPanel, we didn't have that. So the product failed, which is a hard thing for someone like me, and I'm sure for many of your listeners, uh, successful individuals who've really done well, but the product failed. And um, luckily, um, the organization thought I was valuable to sort of head up part of their quantitative services group. So um, I had the chance to be the VP of quantitative services for that organization. But it was a, a hard thing. And it taught me a lot about how to run product organizations and realized that I really loved building products, something that was an extension of myself and that was resilient really on myself. And so while doing that for a few years, I decided to met someone and got, uh, decided to get married and decided to finish my MBA. So I actually left MedPanel to uh, finish my MBA full-time and, uh, and to, to get married. And um, it was really fun, I would say. Like Taking a break like that was, was really, really cool um, because you really enjoyed the, the university experience again. Sometimes we take that for granted the first time around. I encourage you all not to do that. It is a really privileged time in your life, but I got a chance to do that again. And while I was studying, uh, one of my customers that I had serviced while at MedPanel called me up and asked me to present something to his board because I'd done this consulting work for him. And he wanted me to, again, share that work. And I said, well, I'm no longer with the organization. So I'm not able to represent that work. Uh, it wouldn't be ethical. And he says, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm finishing my MBA. Like, what are you doing after? I said, I don't know. He's like, well, you're coming to New York to come head up my analytics group is what you're doing. And I said, New York, you know, I've just been newly married. Is this a good idea? Um, but I, 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 I took it on, uh, head on, went to the big city, if you will, um, with my husband and spent about two and a half years there heading up analytics for an organization called Freesia which is uh, the patient check-in company. Uh, it helps automate the patient check-in process. So when you go to the doctor, oftentimes you're filling out these forms. Instead of filling out those forms that can be sort of difficult to read because they're photocopied a thousand times, um, it allows you a tablet that to enter that information so that over time it's retained in, um, in a technical format that, that can be used again and again. A super exciting organization you know, doing incredibly well and, and, and I continue to wish them the very best of luck. But um, over my tenure after two and a half years, um, I decided that it was time to become a mom. 
And with that came the call back from the grandparents to saying, enough time in New York, we need you back in Boston because we need to spend time with our grandchild. And um, I headed back to Boston and uh, decided, frankly, something I never thought I would do because I was always a very motivated, career-oriented individual to take two years off and stay at home with my son. I, ne- I really never thought I would do that. Um, and I appreciated the ability to do that. Um, not a gift that everybody gets to do, but I did spend two years at home with my son. I did some independent consulting um, for Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare, uh, which is, again, a payer in the, in the Boston area that you may be familiar with. But it was, a, again, priceless, priceless time in my life. And so I really, really enjoyed my son until the point where I knew that he needed more than me and I was starting to need more than him. So uh, I, I decided to put myself out on the market and I, believe it or not, the first, uh, first job I got invited into was to head consulting for an organization called Trinity Pharma Solutions. Super exciting group of people. I loved the leadership. Uh, met the CEO and we instantly clicked. Um, but he wanted me to offer me a full-time job. And frankly, after being a mom for two years, I wasn't ready to take on that role full-time. Uh, but, and so I called him up. I said, look, I love you, Zach. I think you have a great thing going here and I want to be part of it. But I don't think I can be full-time. So you know, we should have a glass of wine sometime. And when I'm ready, I'll let you know. And he said, hold on a second. So he called me back the next day and offered me the same role, um, but allowing me to work part-time hours. So I joined Trinity Pharma, and, and there's a twist in the story here, and um, as a part-time employee, heading up consulting for this organization. And I continued keeping part-time hours so I could drop off my son and be home by 3 o'clock um, for from, from many years. I, during that tenure, however, um, took on um, the role of the VP of analytics for this organization uh, and watched it transition from Trinity Pharma Solutions to Shift Analytics. So uh, just to, to create that line more directly, I, I did start off at Shift as a part-time employee. Um, so I guess that's something to underline that just where you start does not dictate where you're going to end up. So. During, again, that part-time uh, t- time, I headed up consulting services, then took on being the vice president of analytics and built a product uh, related to the space, something called quantum and talking about, again, how do we use this real-world patient data we have uh, to help the pharmaceutical organizations that, that, that is the cornerstone of the shift product portfolio today, which led me to be promoted to being CPO. Uh, it was the first time this organization had a proper product organization. And frankly, it was the first time I was doing something like this in a much formal way. I'd done it, of course, worked in product in many other places beforehand, but never as formally as I had. So I was super uncomfortable. And all I can tell all of you is get super uncomfortable. Um, I was a mom. I was a CPO. I you know, didn't, didn't know what I was doing probably on either front very well, uh, but learned. You know, um, brought a lot of really smart people. Um, you're only as good as the team that you build. They helped me stand up what was a product engine, frankly, and it is today something that I'm really, really proud of. A team that said that again, um, I smile at as I look out, look out the window of my office and see all of them. 
During that time, uh, we lost the head of operations. And I guess one of the marks of me as a leader is I'm a servant leader. Uh, I work for my people. Um, my teams, again, mean everything to me. And I think that the caliber of the work you produce in an organization is, is a testament to the, the way that you treat your employees. So that's often had uh, allowed me to have good reputations, if you will, within organizations. So when Zach needed a head of operations, he said, look, everybody loves you. Can you take this on? And I said, at first, again, not having been a fully operational leader before, I was a little taken aback. But again, the same mandate prevailed. I, I took it on with a positive attitude and openness to not knowing everything. I think that's a real important sign of taking on a new role. And that's okay. And then, But then building a team around you that respects your vision, uh, but compliments you. Um, and I think that the best leaders, frankly, uh, understand what they know and what they don't know and are transparent about that. And I think that's what leads to respect. And honestly, that's what's allowed me to continue to be successful here for really the six and a half years of tenure that I've had at Chip. Um, and again, last June, July, we were acquired by an organization called Medidata, which is really, um, again, the paramount success of this organization uh, to be part of you know, a multi hundred billion dollar company. I mean, it's, it's, it's been remarkable. So uh, we'll see where the journey goes from here, but uh, I'll pause there. Hopefully that's, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's what got me here. So <laughs> that's a great story. So, so um, gosh, where to begin? What, what, mis- <laughs> so, so what one or two misconceptions do you think college students have about entering the workplace, sort of transitioning from college to the professional world. You've told your story. You've lived some sort of not necessarily a linear path or maybe even the path you expected. What misconceptions do you think college students have? One, you don't have it all figured out. You think you do. You don't know what you're going to be when you grow up. And don't allow yourself to know what you're going to be when you grow up. I mean, you have a world that's constantly evolving. You can build the exact world that you want to have. Um, and don't think that you know that at 2021, 20, what you're good at and what you're not good at. Because there are a lot of things you have to be exposed to. So I think it's this humility about, I don't know everything and there's a lot more for me to learn. And the confidence at the same time that I can do that. So that's one misconception I would say is that you don't know everything. And and I think it's, it's, it's not just that you don't know it, it's that it's okay not to know it. So I guess that would be Two is that, no, you don't know it, and that's fine. If you don't know what you want to do, that's a great thing. Most of the smartest people I know today still don't know what they want to do next. I, I guess that would be one of them. Yeah. How's it? Let me let me just let me just interrupt because I, I think those are great pieces of advice. I'm just trying to think to myself. I'm a college senior. I don't know what I want to do, and I hear that someone on this awesome podcast says that's okay. And I say to myself, is it really okay? All my friends are going to law school. I have other friends who have those consulting jobs lined up. My other friends are going to med school. I have no idea what I'm doing. Is that okay? <laughs> no, I mean, it really is okay. You have to, I mean, I'm just, and from my perspective, what I've seen around you, I was dead set about being a physician. Like I knew what I wanted to do and I finished school having no idea. And but what I would say is put one foot in front of the other. Find the thing that makes you interested now. What's going to drive your passion now? And 
go forward with it and fail fast, right? Investigate what is exciting to you. And that's going to change as you experience something that's going to evolve and allow that evolution to happen. But don't be afraid to take that first step and then put the second step and the third step. Your journey is not linear. It's not there for any of us. And you don't know what it's going to look like. But allow yourself to wander a little. It's okay. It's not a risk. Hmm. How about a productivity tip? Uh, you seem to be quite a productive person. Uh, what? Yeah. What can you share? Share with us a tip? Uh, absolutely. Um, so you <laughs> and some of these are, you know, may not be as popular. One, uh, be an early riser. I think that my most productive hours are from five a.m. to nine a.m. I think it's important for you to set the tone of the day with a sense of positivity, but a sense of focus and goals. Like what? What are you going to do today? Um, you know, a lot of people say there's this whole concept of, of, of having it all. And, and the fact is, I would like to say that I, I am privileged to have it all. But every day, it's also a trade-off. So understand what's important and what defines success for you for that day. And write that down. Right? Decide. Like, what is it going to be? For me, it's like, all right, am I going to be, you know, um, volunteering at school? So is it important for me to be that, a better mom today? Is it important for me to be more operationally focused because I need to focus on that today? Is it important for me to be more representative of the product? Is it important for me to do all of the other things that are, are part of you know, the multiple roles that we play? So I think having focus for each day, and I think the early rising allows you to do that without you running into the office at 9 o'clock with emails already coming in, phone calls already coming in, the first meeting, and you have no idea. And before you know it, the end of day is here and you're like, did I accomplish what I wanted to accomplish? And with most people, I would argue, don't. So for me, I get up early before anyone else in the house wakes up. I know what I need to do personally and professionally to be successful that day. And those are sort of my guiding principles for how I navigate my day. So you get up at 5 o'clock and then just... Uh, I don't mean to pry, but what, what time does the rest of the house uh, wake up? How many hours do you have there? You, you've got a, you've got a, a child. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I got an hour. So I have from 5 to 6, that's my time. And then 6 to 7.30, that's my son's time. And then I'm usually in the office by 8 o'clock so that I can get ahead of the day because as you can imagine, most days start at 9 and don't end till late and they're back-to-back meetings. So I do get that one hour. So I would say 5 to 6 is a very productive hour. Again, setting the tone for the day and then 8 to 9 from a professional perspective. So um, you know, don't let the day own you own the day, I guess mm-hmm. I would say. I like that. And is that, is, is it, is, are you a coffee drinker or a tea drinker? Or? <laughs> Believe it or not, I am, um, I do not drink any caffeine. Wow. Okay. Nice. Um, I do drink, I do drink a bottle of green, fresh, uh, cold pressed juice every day. People say that's my fuel, but I'm not quite sure where it comes from. <laughs> Now, how about a tip about being... So so I, I imagine a lot of people listening to this podcast don't have kids, but aspire yeah. one day to have kids and have a family yeah. and balance work, yeah. family. And we all hear about balance and so on. And you've talked a bit about it. Do you have any sort of insights that you've gleaned from your time, whether it's your time sort of now with a slightly older child, sort of balancing work and family, whether it was your time taking off a couple of years to be with your son when he was really young, any anything that you'd like to offer as insight into that experience? Yeah. Well, I feel very passionately about this, frankly. Like I would not consider myself a success if I didn't think that I was 
being the best mom I can be. And that definition is different for everyone. So I'd say, similarly, what is important to you and how you want to react is a different journey for everyone. For me, again, like I said, I never thought I would take two years off. And again, that's a privilege that I have. Not everyone will have that privilege. Um, but allowing you to understand that today, you don't know what that future is going to look like. So one, for example, making that decision, if someone decides to make it, that's a very personal choice and allow yourself. There's no right way. Whether you decide to stay working or not working or go part-time, that is a result of, of what what's important to you and how you want to navigate and how you want to tell your story. So don't let... There's no... Let anyone else tell you how to do it. Second, you know, I never thought Zach would hire me part time. I, but I felt so strongly. I remember the day getting my, uh, getting the offer letter and my husband came home and I'm in playing with Vic and tears are falling down my face. He's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I got this incredible offer, but I'm not ready to go to work. And he's like, well, no one told you like that's what you have to do. There's always, Things that are not the norm that can happen. Um, so at least ask, right? If you need to work remotely sometimes, you know, where the world is evolving. So that's a possibility. If you need to work off hours, if you need to like get offline for a couple hours to be with your family. Again, don't just assume that it has to be one way. Um, you are the author of your life and your story. Take power and control of that. Um, and yeah, there's no such thing as, as the ultimate bounds. I guess sometimes I jokingly say, I ask myself every day, what can I let fail today? Right? What can I do? Where can I not be the best? Where can I, can I not be the best mom today? Because you know, my son's father is there with him or grandparents are there and somebody else has got it covered. Where is it that work has to fail because I'm going to have to delegate these things to other people? Um, you know, where is it that, again, those trade-offs are something that you need to be ready for. There is no such thing as a life lived in balance if you look at a certain day. What I aspire to is if I look back on my life, did I overall live in a balance? And I think that that's a more realistic thing um, than, again, looking at each day and say, was I perfect in everything I did? I just don't think that's achievable. But you can be an amazing mom and uh, be a very successful person professionally. Um, I think it's all about making the right trade-off. Um, and that's where that morning time is very valuable for me, right? To tie that in. That allows me to say, all right, what's going on in all of the things of everyone's life that I'm responsible for personally and professionally? And where's the things that need my attention today? And be nice to yourself, right? I mean, you're human. So... I like it. I'll try it uh, 5 a.m. tomorrow, but I'm afraid I'm going to fall back asleep. So I'm, I'm, I'm setting a second alarm. Uh, so this is this has been great. Thanks so much uh, for for the chat. I really appreciate it. This is really really interesting. So so how can listeners uh, learn more about you or about your your company if they're interested? Sure. Uh, I my the organization's website is uh, shiftanalytics.com. Pretty easy to. Uh, find the organization and learn more about it. Um, you can learn a little bit more about me uh, in a more formal way uh, through the leadership page. Happy to have your listeners contact me through LinkedIn. They know my name, Priya Sapra, and I'm happy to connect with them. Anyone who needs any advice, I'm happy to provide it. Uh, but realize that every advice should be taken with a grain of salt because your story is different. Uh, but at the same time, you know, learn from 
our mistakes and 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 do it better. So, excellent. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. This is great. Excellent. My pleasure. Thanks so much for the opportunity, Andy, and thanks to you for all of those who took the time to listen. Thank you for listening to From the Dorm Room to the Boardroom. If you're interested in learning more about the work that I do and helping people step outside their comfort zones and transition successfully into the professional world, please visit my website, www.andymolinsky.com. That's A-N-D-Y-M-O-L-I-N-S-K-Y.com. And also feel free to email me directly at andy at andymolinsky.com with any feedback or ideas for guests for future podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Brandeis University's International Business School. By teaching rigorous business, finance, and economics, connecting students to best practices and immersing them in international experiences, Brandeis International Business School prepares exceptional individuals from around the globe to become principled professionals in companies and public institutions worldwide. Thank you so much for listening.